All right, Painter, I'm going to need you to uh, to carry me in this podcast. Um, I am playing through injury, as some might say, with this uh, th- with this uh, issue. I came in and you said it sounded like uh, it sounded like what? You had tissues shoved up your nose. Yeah, I bet it's going to come through that way during the podcast as well. I don't. I have tissues. They're not shoved up my nose. Um, but every time this year, you know, around this time of year, May, June, just always is just sinuses just come back and get me. Um, I feel like I have an infection like once a year around this time. So we're doing great. We're doing good. Um, Blowing out your back. Yeah, it's just it's just not it's just not great. So I'm going to need you to carry me. My voice is not going to be great. Um, you are the voice of this this podcast. You have the better voice. You have the better vocals. The uh, the golden la, 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 pipes. La, la, la. Speaking of golden, by the way. Ooh. Uh, How about that? The car. We we I'm we, not we, colorblind. Yeah, okay, so I don't think. I, yeah. Well, so my 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 issue here is is that I just parked behind this car like five minutes ago and i'm still convinced that the car is gold or at least not silver i'm of the mind that we should take another picture and squeeze as much juice out of this as possible yes. it is a different time of the day because i took that around sunset and right. now it's middle of the day it's sun's high up in the air so i'm just saying maybe that'll right. change the view uh for some people some of you did a lot more work in this project i appreciate your research i think one of you even managed to find uh, an image of all the colors that Honda Accord put out yeah. that year. And it was Alston and Jay who both had good points about the color that it should probably, probably at this stage of the car's life cannot actually be called silver. Champagne is the one we're going for. We're going, we're going for champagne. Um, I think that in certain light and in certain angles, it looks gold or at least not pure silver. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is the age. Maybe it's the it's the weathering on it. Shout out to BB Mike J who said whatever it is needs a new coat. All right, there you go. I mean, did make me laugh very hard when I read that. It is a twenty year old car, and he's not lying. But I mean, the thing there is, is that when a, when a car passes a certain age, you're just like you're just gonna run it into the ground. You're well, just point A to point B is all we all we care about. At this I point. responded to him and said, "Baby, that's true, but we're at one hundred and ninety eight thousand miles. I just need it to turn on right now. The key is stuck in the ignition, so I have to take two keys around with me everywhere. So I just oh, wow. turn it into or like turn it into the off position, but can't actually pull it out of the car and then lock the car and have the spare key in my pocket. <laughs> so I guess." Telling you this, if you want to break into my car, steal painter's car, you could do it pretty easily. Sorry about that. But you can only you can only steal the car if you admit that it's not silver. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson, Painter Sharpless here, live from the living room where all the lights are working today we we're, we appreciate that three out of four. Oh, i just noticed the one right above me is not working Station okay so i'm kind of in the room. dark but but you're you're in the light uh we are here uh kiki to discuss is not. what's up kiki is not kiki is not here getting that trim yes yes you had to take care of your dog today that's why we why a little bit of delay in recording the podcast but we're on time all is well and, and in fact there's one thing that happened uh, in the last few minutes before we recorded this on, on Saturday afternoon that uh, we will talk about later. So fortunate timing there. Um, we've got a number of things to get to today. Appreciate everybody listening to 
our podcast, uh, the free edition here on the weekends. Since we last spoke, since we last talked to the Inner Circle, let's see, that would have been on Wednesday, Auburn has picked up yet another transfer in football. Brother Marcus. Marcus Harris, the defensive end out of Kansas, uh, who last season had seven and a half tackles for loss for the Kansas Jayhawks, a bad football team, but a good football player. Um, and more importantly, I think is really interesting. You know, Auburn's been linked to Harris now for about a week or so. Um, he is from Montgomery. He played at Park Crossing. Uh, a guy who redshirted his first season at Kansas and then in his second season started most every game for the Jayhawks and uh, was their most effective duty getting into the backfield. Crazy uh, that a guy would want to leave Kansas. Yeah, just absolutely stunning that somebody. Oh, might, you're good. Um, yeah. I wouldn't blame you, man. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame. Kansas, you're in the middle of nowhere, and you're also very bad at football. I just can't can't really. Well, did he agree to play football for less miles, for better or worse? Yeah, I guess so. So that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. If you had any sem- like semblance of loyalty to that head coach, then, you know, I think more than anything, it's like, oh, I can go play in the SEC on a team that's not Kansas. Right. I mean, he's, what, 45 minutes away from from his from his hometown significantly closer yeah yeah that's a that's a that's a pretty big pickup uh friday so he committed friday afternoon and uh, one of the things that jumped out at me is on instagram marlon davidson shouted him out um another montgomery native native i believe uh he they trained at the same spot uh madhouse which is a training facility in montgomery it's got a lot of those recent montgomery stars in football and in basketball but um you know, those guys kind of train there. It's a close bond. And one of the interesting things we've seen with this, and we'll talk more about Harris as a player in a moment, but, you know, Auburn goes out and gets a kid who will be a sophomore this upcoming year. Backfilling, you know, you lose Jay Hardy. Uh, you lose you lose some other defensive linemen in this class or in, in this offseason. And they go and kind of backfill with the dude. Not only are they backfill, I think it's just where they got him from is interesting because – you know, this staff, for the most part, are pretty new to the region. You've got guys like Cornelius Williams and Zach Etheridge who have recruited in this area and been in this area before. But, like, for the most part, they don't either have, you know, not much SEC experience, if any at all, recruiting the Southeast and, and whatnot. Nick Eason's coming into college coaching for the first time. Um, yet, I think, you know, this is about building relationships and establishing relationships and the fact that if you bring in a kid from park crossing, you know, that gives you an in, in future, future classes, you know, this it's a, it's a way it's like, Hey, well, Marcus ended up joining this team and now, you know, that's an easy way to connect with any recruits that might be coming out of park crossing or coming out of Lee or uh, Carver or Jeff Davis or, uh, you know, uh, any of those other schools, any of the other schools, if you want to go down the road where Marlon played in Greenville, like there's, there's, those it's a pretty close knit community, especially in Montgomery. A lot of those public school kids in Montgomery train together, play together, um, hype each other up on Twitter all the time. Doesn't matter if you went to Auburn or Alabama or anywhere. Um, and so I, I think this is a way to kind of recruit for the future without recruiting for the future necessarily. I think Harris comes in and, and helps you, gives you another young weapon to use up front, but also it, it gets you a foot in the door back in Montgomery. And, and we know that they are. Recruiting other guys in the transfer portal who are originally from Montgomery, and I, I think this is—I think it's not—it's not an accident, especially when you also come across the fact that Auburn's recruiting class right now, their 2022 class, 
in football, which is small, and they got to get these guys on campus and all that and, and start really in earnest in June 1st when the dead period ends. I mean, two of those three guys are, are local. One of them's from Auburn. The other one's from Opelika. And so I think all this is kind of patterned for a reason, and um, it's a good way to get your face out in the backyard without, you know, it's a quick way to get your face out in the backyard and, and, and establish some connections before you really hit the ground running. Brian Harson, make me your recruiting coordinator. I could use those state benefits and that salary. So we were talking about this. You were you were a uh, you were a recruiting coordinator once upon a time. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Um, what is the what is the painter Sharpless? Uh, painter is uh, painter Sharpless is the Auburn football recruiting coordinator. What is his what is his go to weapon to get people to to, to commit to Auburn? Well, the legally, way, yeah, legally, the let's, way let's that, that we were, you know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but the way that we were able to conduct our rush events and probably what Brian Harson and his staff have to do i expect look a little bit different i i have to say i'm curious to know what they what did what do you know what they do do they take them to the coaches houses and i mean I obviously show them around campus and like mm-hmm. let them get a feel for that but yeah. uh, i'm at a bit of a loss i don't know how good i would be at this brian so i mean you're you you're really patting your resume here well, you know, sometimes you have to take a shot in the dark, all right? And that's that is what this would be. But at this if, if you you're one of those Auburn men they like to talk about in the in the tweets about, you know, alumni and school spirit and all that. That's you. I can go in a different direction too. I can sort of be your um, you know, not a good cop, bad cop, but I could definitely be someone that can set themselves apart from the rest of the coaching staff. Yes, that is true. Uh, in the fact that you did not play collegiate football and have never been a coach before, I think that I think that separates you. Just total ignorance yeah. on all things that we're trying to accomplish here. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can do to- total ignorance and still. I mean, there have been a number of times where guys who don't have any qualifications have gotten jobs in sports, like um, the Pac-12 happens, commissioner. Yeah, by it the happens way. <laughs> too too frequently. I would add, yeah, or Pac- at least people who just have no business. Maybe they have some ties to their sport, but it's like I don't know how you got it, other than that your dad was, you know, maybe a good coach or something. Yeah, you don't even have that advantage either. So now he's just a that health can inspector. Be seen as a I don't want to say just a health inspector. We need them, but yes, no no ties to Auburn football. Well, I mean. That also can help because you can say if they hire you, it's not nepotism. That's right. You know, that's a, that's a one of the first hurdles you got to get over. You got to get you got to get over that. Um, so Marcus Harris comes into Auburn. Um, this is a scheme fit, very much like you know we talked about this with by Darius Knight and, and we talked about this with Donovan Kaufman and Tony Fair as well. These are guys on the defense that have already played in systems very sc- similar schematically to what we are going to see from Derek Mason in their defense. When they got Tony Fair, it was like, all right, they don't have very many giant dudes they can plug at nose tackle. When they got, you know, by Darius Knight, and it was, he does a lot of things kind of mixing and matching in this type of defense, um, you know, what he did at SEMO. Obviously, Donovan Kaufman knows what uh, Derek Mason's defense is all about because he played in it, uh, you know, last season. So when you look at Marcus Harris last season at Kansas, 3-4 defensive end, He's about 6'2", 6'3", 280 pounds. You know, at that defensive end spot, you look at some tackles, you look at, you know, those that those tweeners that they have. You know, you look at Auburn's... That's a funny word every time. <laughs> the, tweeners, the tweeners that they have on that <laughs> defensive line. I mean, you got Colby Wooden leading the way. When you ask Colby Wooden in the spring, okay, who are some guys that are playing with you at that position? He mentioned guys like Zachary Walker, uh, Lee Hunter, um... 
J.J. Pegues moving over. So it's like these big defensive tackle types that are a little more athletic that aren't necessarily just big old boys down the middle like the uh, Tyrone Truesdells and the Tony Fairs of the world. I, I'm very I'm very interested to see how this sorts out for him because he is a guy with some, with some upside. Um, he's got several years of eligibility left. He's already proven, you know, in the Big 12, a conference that is known for its offense, that they can, he can be an impact player. And so he's he's got some experience. Like when you go get a defensive lineman in this class, get him adjusted to this scheme. Well, he's already used to being in a three in a three down front. So that's a hurdle you've already been able to kind of overcome there. So I like this. I like this Marcus Harris move a lot for Auburn. Um, it, it it helps them out in that defensive end uh, spot. Uh, gives him another young guy, and this is already a young defensive line. But uh, you know. I think it's more depth, and I think it's you know a guy that you can kind of move around. If you want to kick him inside to tackle, you can do that. Um, he is he is a natural end, and so sensing a theme of versatility here. Yeah, that's the big thing with that's the big thing with Derek Mason coming back up. You know, you watch Derek Mason in the film room I had on Donovan Kaufman. Like, there's a lot of mixing and matching. There's a lot of disguising coverages and, and moving guys around and coming blitzes from different ways and changing up the way your fronts and changing up the way your fronts look right before the snap. Like there's a lot of stuff like that that you have to keep in mind. So a guy like Harris, I think really fits into that, that picture very well. And uh, I will try to have something later in this week about Harris a little bit more deeper, kind of watch some more film on him. Um, but, you know, I think the big thing with, with him is, is that he's going to be, a step into that Montgomery area for him in terms of recruiting, establishing some of those relationships, creating the pipeline, creating the pipeline, which is already a strong one for Auburn, but it's new for this staff. Right. Um, and then secondly, he's a scheme guy. He's a, he's a scheme fit. Who's got several years of football ahead of him. And that is, that's a really good sign for Auburn. And like, look, Colby wooden might, I mean, Colby wooden could be done after this season you know, theoretically, if he blows up this year and, and, and heads to the NFL. Are you, you know. predicting that? Are you planting your flag down on that? I don't know if I'm planting my flag down on that, but like he, he's definitely talented enough to make something like that happen. I'm not going to I'm not going to rule it out, but it's like who will be the next wave? And so this is, I think, is setting yourself up for the next wave. And like Knighton and like uh, especially Donovan Kaufman, these are guys who have SEC – well, in the case of Kaufman, you have SEC experience. That's why they're going after a guy like TJ Finley at quarterback got SEC experience. And so when you lose young dudes and you replace them with young dudes that may not have had the recruiting hype of other guys, but have, you know, SEC, FBS, Power 5, whatever experience, or in the case of a guy like Fair and in a case of a guy like Knighton, smaller levels but a ton of a ton of experience, it really, really helps them. I'd know what I'd do. I'd take them to Chipotle. Their stock is down right now. How is that possible? You take them to Chipotle because you know college campuses elsewhere don't have them. Is, yeah, is, is there something the about the Auburn Chipotle that, that separates itself? The line is always long, although they move it pretty quickly. I will say. Now, are you are you a believer in the Auburn Chipotle or the Opelika one? I've been going to the Opelika one more recently. I like that location because. It just has worked out. Toughest, that way. toughest part of that one is the parking. That lot is kind of tight. Definitely. It's also quite a, a voyage for me to get over there at this point. But that's yeah. just how much I appreciate you, Chipotle. Yeah, and uh, and you're right. No other college campus has one, so that would obviously be a standout experience. Longtime listeners of our of our uh, spoken word broadcast uh, may remember the time that Painter uh, accidentally got quadruple meat mm. in his bowl of Chipotle. Mm-hmm. If if you've if 
For those of you who don't know this story, Painter, can you tell can you tell the folks at home what happened there? I like to go double meat, chicken and steak. You go to go bowl, all right? That way you can shake up your goods. So it's a to go bowl with brown rice, black beans, chicken and steak. I said I want double chicken and steak. All right. I also since you wandered, you know, I know you're at home thinking what else do you put on there? Hot salsa, sour cream and that cheese. Hot salsa is great. Oh, so good. And the sour cream sort of balances it out a little bit. We love it. But they heard double chicken and steak and thought, this man wants four portions. Yeah, he wants double how, chicken is, and How is steak. he still this tiny? Yeah. And they, to their credit, I was like, I just wanted the chicken and the steak. And they're like, well, you can just have it. So they gave me what is. And that's actually happened to me twice. One time, they did make me pay like $19 Woo! for some Chipotle. But another time it happened, they were like, oh, okay, I see what you meant. So, And you know what? I ate everything when I got that quadruple meat. And they made me pay for it. It still tasted Devon. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, just a very expensive, uh, fast, casual order, you know? Chipotle, if you want to sponsor the podcast, let us know. Oh, dear God. <laughs> dear God. By the way, Ian, these people aren't sponsors, but uh, but Friday night, checked out uh, checked out the new barbecue place, Rob's Ribs, the, uh, in the old Mike and Ed's. Uh, it's the butcher paper folks. They got it going on. Shout out to Alex, one of the guys that works in the kitchen there. Man, he was telling me about what they've got going on. Oh, I've Strong got stuff. to slide Strong by stuff. So sounds, sounds like it's going to be a place again, that I'll be visiting Again, not a sponsor. We're not soon. paying for this. We're just shouting out a really good product right there. I, oh, yeah, let it. me get over there. Um, all right. So, like I said, more on Marcus Harris later in the week. Hopefully, um, we'll do some sort of breakdown kind of film room thing those were starting to pile up there on me especially with katie johnson and in basketball and you know we talked about that in the last podcast um bringing down katie johnson and donovan kaufman and painter if people who are listening to this did not get to listen to that uh, midweek podcast how can they make sure they have that uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe. But that's really not why you asked me. If you want to get the midweek podcast, six dollars a month. $60 a year. If you do your math, that's saving you more than $10. I'm not going to get into the specifics of how much that saves you, but 12. You, yeah, you can work that out for yourself. That's so a Chipotle not. bowl. All right, there. That's one free Chipotle meal for you. That's what we're doing for you on the Auburn Observer. But also, you can always rate, review, and subscribe if you're not ready to make the jump for that uh, for that inner circle edition. But uh, I'm going to call you a coward if you don't. <laughs> there you go. Painter will call you're you weak. a coward. Painter will call you a coward. All right, so... Um, one of the things about having the the podcast, well, ha- having the the transfers pile up this past week, is we pushed the mailbag back out to Monday, and giving you a little preview for those of you who are, who subscribe and read it uh, on Monday. There's a lot of stuff in there about T.J. Finley because that that's this. Of course, it's a quarterback. Like like this story is never going to end, and it feels like every time I go on the radio, people want to talk about T.J. Finley. And it's such a fun position to speculate about, especially in the offseason. And as I said in a more recent podcast, I think because of Bo Nix's largely unsuccessful sophomore campaign, a lot of people want to know, all right, is there going to be competition or even someone that could replace him? And I think while it's the opinion of this show mm-hmm. that it's exceedingly unlikely that Bo is not your starter if he's yeah. healthy. I it think would we take can, a heck of a fall camp. We him. can all agree that having another guy who has SEC experience in an arm like that would be good for Bo. Do you find it interest as interesting as I do that Alabama is is recruiting him as hard as they are? I mean, I think it's telling that like this is. Let's just say people that see it, a lot in this dude, and he did not put up great numbers at LSU last season. He had two outstanding games against South Carolina and Arkansas, which 
you know, not great, not great opponents, but you know, Auburn almost lost to one of them and did lose to the other one. Um, and then struggled in some other games. I guess I was going to say it's interesting that they're so keen on him, given that they've spread things out. But it's not like and Mac they've got jo- Bryce Young. Yeah, it's not like Mac Jones is a mobile quarterback, though. So no. they made that work just fine. I, I would just say it's telling that there's a number of people who know a lot more about football than I do. Right. That also think he's an attractive piece to add I mean, to your man, roster. Six six two fifty with a big old arm. I mean that. That's hard to you be. You can translate that. And the thing about him is, is that he was recruited by a lot of these schools coming out of high school. Like, he got it. He's an in-state kid for LSU um, and stayed at LSU. And it got to the point now where it's like, all right, well, after spring practice, it looked, he's like, okay, I'm behind Miles Brennan. I'm behind Max Johnson. I'm third at best. Well, he could go to Auburn and be second, like, right off the bat. And that's an upgrade no matter what. Um, and, you know, he's had interviews. He's had several interviews over the last couple of weeks where he has said that – you know, if he picks Auburn, it's because he thinks he can compete for the job right away. And I'm not here to say that he can't. I think there's a difference. Like, let's let's be very clear here. There's a difference between taking the dude's job and competing for the job. When the coaching staff says you can compete for this job, it's like, hey, when we get into fall camp and if you show out and you prove to be the better quarterback, we're going to play you. That's a whole lot different than coming in and saying, oh, yeah, like if you come here, we think you could be the starter. It's like that, that. Even that is a even that is a difference in, in semantics. And I think he has said that it's like they're not promising me anything, but they think I could compete. And like Bo Nix needs competition. I think that's a, Bo it's a is, pretty natural thing. That like even if you're a perfectly motivated person, whenever there's competition, it's going to push you harder. Right. I, like I don't think that that says much. Of, and also to the point about coming in and like being given the job or taking the job or competing right. in the job, any player that's coming into a position battle after the guys who are here in the spring is just going to be behind. And especially probably that's true at quarterback where so much is asked of you. Right. And and so the thing with the the thing with TJ Finley is, is like, as I said recently, I think he is like a premium insurance policy. Bo Nix could get hurt at any moment. That's just the nature of football. It's the nature of quarterback. I'm not exactly thinking Auburn's going to crush, you know, year one in the Harson era. It might be better than I expect, but you know, I don't expect them to win the SEC West or even be all that close. And it's like, if you lose Knicks and, you know, again, much love to Loy for coming back, but it's like, wow, that's a big drop off all of a sudden. Demetrius Davis may not be ready yet. That's a lot to throw. You just went through having a quarterback who was a true freshman two years ago. And fortunately at the time you had Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson to help soften that and no Igbenogany. So it was like, you know, the defensive side of the ball was particularly good that year. And yeah. it's like, do you really want well, to go through? Well, then you also through? had receivers. Yeah, do, do you really want to go through having a true freshman quarterback again? I think the obvious answer is you'd prefer not to, as good right. as Davis may be one day. Yeah, and, and the thing with Finley is is that, like, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And every year you want to try to take a really good quarterback. Well, Auburn was on the path of doing that. They lose Shia Garnett to the portal. And so now they're going to get a guy in the same class who has at least started some SEC games if Finley ends up coming to Auburn. There's no guarantee. But it sounds like Finley's Auburn's in a good spot for him compared to the other teams that are going after him. And he's also, I think, keeping an eye out to see if the SEC is going to let interconference transfers be eligible immediately, which I think they will. But you got to make sure that that happens. You don't want to go somewhere and it's like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to sit out. I should have gone and played at, like, Penn State or Texas, mm-hmm. which I think are two other schools that are going after him at the moment. Texas, by the way, eyeballs there because, obviously, Steve Sarkeesian, who is coming from Alabama. So I think the thing I think the thing here with with Finley is is that you know his recruitment 
is fascinating, but it's also like not a sign of they have no faith in Bo Nix. It's not a sign of they have no faith in Demetrius Davis. I mean, they were expecting to bring uh, Holden Garner in this year, and then like they're probably maybe going to go get another quarterback in in twenty twenty two. Maybe like they're not they're not ruling it out. It they looks would like, like options at that position, right? Because you don't want to have all your all your eggs in one basket, as we said somewhat recently, like. It's not like the NFL. If, if Patrick Mahomes goes down for the Chiefs and he's out for the season, they might not have a dedicated backup quarterback on their roster, and I don't know what the Chiefs' backup situation looks like. I know they had Chase Daniel for a minute. but uh, That man, wow. We've talked about it before. He really did it right. Or like, say, Lamar Jackson goes down or somebody like that. or, or uh, You can go get a serviceable trade. quarterback right. if you have a good enough roster. You can go trade for one. I mean, you shoot, can go, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, and that's so funny. Right. You can go <laughs> trade for one if you don't have one, a backup. You could go get a midseason free agent. You can pick somebody off, off the street. Like, you can – Sure. Anytime your first team quarterback goes down, you realize that the chances of you making a deep run probably just were greatly diminished. But at least in the NFL, there are some contingency plans that you simply do not have in college. Yeah, college football, you hit the fall, you're rolling with what you got. And so you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And I think that's that's the same thing you say for the future as well. Is Demetrius Davis a good candidate to start for Auburn down the road? Yes. Anybody can tell you. He was a four-star quarterback. He was a really good quarterback in high school. A ton of accolades. He stuck with the program, tweeted recently that he was like, hey, Auburn. Like, it was funny. He tweeted this after, like, all the Finley stuff came up, and it was just like, yeah, best decision I ever made was coming to Auburn. And, like, he might leave next year. He might leave. He might not finish his career at Auburn, but, like, he signed with this team when that whole stuff – like, he signed under Kevin Steele. Keep that in mind. And, like, so I think the thing for I think the thing for him is, is that – he probably did like the previous coaching staff. They're the ones that got him on board. But also, and the he does. Coaching staff has had more experience with his type of quarterback yeah, yeah. than this staff. He does seem to like Auburn for some reason or another. Right. And, and you're right. He's not the what I would envision the typical Bobo or Harson pro style quarterback. No. But if you're talented enough, you'll make it work. Right. Exactly. And so, I think I think there is. It's just. You know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Demetrius Davis could be an excellent quarterback down the line, but they don't want to have him as the only option, right? They're going to get Garner if they can keep him committed and signed and all that, and it looks like they probably will. But you go get a guy like Finley because you want competition. And it's like what has happened at Alabama. It's what has happened at other, you know, Ohio State, other Oklahoma really good schools in the past. You get these good quarterbacks, and if they don't win the job, then they go leave because only, you only play one of them at a time, right? And so it's that balancing act you have to hit, but that shouldn't stop you from, like, going after dudes. Like, I, I think about how hilarious it was looking back, and he ended up finishing off all right and, you know, was a day two pick in the NFL draft. But I often think about how, like, Texas A&M got off of uh, – you know, got lost probably Jared Stidham because cause they were afraid of losing Calamond, where it was like – it was like in a perfect world, they should have been like, all right, well, we're going to get him and you, and like we need multiple quarterbacks. But then they stuck everything to Mon, and for better or for worse, they rolled with him for four years. It wasn't like they had any other options. What is Stidham going to do now? Yeah, I don't, I don't foresee that one ending well. Uh, Patriots are getting trade calls for Jarrett Stidham 22 hours ago. Okay, there you go. So that – Interestingly enough, seems to be I think, yeah. I think if anybody needs a backup, it's it's him or it's just minimum. You go and get Mac Jones. You obviously you draft yeah. Mac Jones in the first round. You obviously know that on. he's not going to be the you're guy. Moving on, and you've yeah. still got a guy that maybe maybe Cam is in the tail end of his career. I don't know, but he's former MVP, so greatest physical talent ever played the position. 
You think Jones is going to end up starting? I don't know. I really don't know. I think if Cam's healthy, he's still the best option that they've got. Um, but I don't know. I don't know, man. Like they, they're going to adapt to do whatever and whatever Belichick and they them end up doing there. It's going to be ruthless. Like they are going to be decisive with that decision and just they're not afraid of kicking dudes at the curb whenever they're done with them. Even if it's like Tom Brady. Mm. <laughs> And that didn't end up working out, but yeah. So I think Finley is going to continue to be a fascinating topic to cut, to cover and, and follow here. I think if he picks Auburn, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Bo Nix's job's in danger. It's just that uh, you said it earlier, there's a natural reaction to whenever there's just somebody competing against you, right? Bo Nix is a self-motivated player. Almost every single college athlete is, you know, you don't get to that position just you know, by not having a good work ethic. Especially in that conference or, you know, playing. That position? Yeah, that position and, and this conference or a few other, like, you know, if you're playing at Ohio State or Alabama. And that's not to say, I mean, Knicks has had his struggles, obviously, but, like, you still, like, you get to that spot and you, you get to that spot with, with hard work, and he's going to continue to do that. But, like, it would be it nice very telling would. in spring practice. They, they, there was really nobody pushing it. Bo, I need you to throw for 60% this year. Hold me. Gotta, at least. Got to get over that hump. At yeah. Least. I mean, yeah. I got to get over that hump. And also, Jordan Palmer, you really you really put me on a tee and just pushed me over. Yeah. Because uh, he was the one, remember, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, it was like, yeah, Bo Nix will be the number one pick in the 2020 shooting draft. And I was like, well, even if that is a little bit of like you pumping up a guy that you train with, it's like, that makes me think that you're pretty confident he'll get drafted, like, you know, on day one or day two. And it's like, well, right now. He's done it again. Like, he doubled down on it. Yeah. Well, let's just say I hope he's right. Yeah. I mean, it. It's not a great quarterback class. There's somebody's going to come up. I mean, we talked about it the other a couple With weeks the Malik ago. Malik Willis. There's stuff. a reason why people are pushing Malik Willis right now. One of them is high. Hugh Freeze needs that redemption tour uh, to to really get kicked off here. We love it. Um, but number two is is like Malik's a really good player, and I mean Zach Wilson came out of nowhere to be an awesome pit, uh, prospect and the number two guy in the draft. They're looking for that because right now, if you look at the 2022 quarterback class, it's Sam Howell who is good, but like. He's not Joe Burrow, you know. He's not Trevor Lawrence. And then Spencer Rattler, who is, you know, pretty good and, like, has the potential to be kind of like how Kyler was. But that's it. Like, so, like, people are trying to find it. And, you know, Bo, if he puts it all together, and maybe the, maybe the offensive switch is, is what it takes. Maybe it's the change of the coaching staff and the change in style that helps. I have my doubts about that just because of the style of the way he plays. But, you know, Bo can make some really good throws. He's got some. He's got arm talent. He's got two years of experience. And I was talking to Justin Lee about this the other day. You know, there are guys who's – there are lights that come on towards the end of people's career. And we've seen that at Auburn plenty of times. I mean, even a guy like Jason Campbell was a five-star. He didn't really turn into, oh, I'm a first-round pick until later in his career. You know, so I think – that can't be ruled out also as well. I'm not saying he's going to be a first-round pick. I think he would have to make tremendous strides to get into that conversation. But, like, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not going to rule it out at all. I mean, stranger things have happened, and this is Auburn football. Remember on, what bro. happened the last time they changed a, uh, changed a head coach? They almost won the national title. So don't sit here and think, like, it's impossible. Dave McKinney, lover of Nick Marshall. So one of the other things I wanted to get to – because we've been talking about transfers, obviously. And I don't think we've mentioned this guy enough here in recent weeks. 
Um, I think I've, we've had a passing, you know, shout out to him. But running back, you know, that was one of the big positions that we've been talking about this offseason. You need another running back. You need another running back. And so Auburn has been linked to one particular running back in the transfer port for the last few weeks. You know, that's been pretty much it that we've seen from him. Um, and that is Jordan Ingram, who is, Painter going back to the Marcus Harris thing, another in-state kid. This one, Jordan Ingram, he is from Mobile. He was recruited by Auburn out of high school. I do not know what happened in this. He was a 2020 kid. But he's an athlete, three-star athlete out of uh, out of uh, St. Paul's in Mobile. 6'1", 195. His college offer list included Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Tennessee, uh, Virginia Tech. West Virginia is also in there as well. And he ends up at Central Michigan. I don't know. He ended up at Central Michigan late. I don't know what... I don't know what the details are there, but he ends up at Central Michigan. Doesn't play last year. He's already in the portal. So, they're going to go after this guy. And, um, I mean, I believe it's Keith Niebuhr at 247 who's put in a prediction that Auburn will end up landing him at some point. Um, I want to go ahead and double-check that here. Yes, Keith Niebuhr put put it out two weeks ago saying, you know, that's his prediction. I like it when you roll the dice. Huh? I like it when you roll the dice. <laughs> And you know Keith's been on top of this uh, as as well as anybody else in the in the portal. Ingram's an interesting case here because again, what what do we got? Mobile. Where do they play a lot? Where do they produce a lot of football players? Mobile. The Senior Bowl. It's another way to get. It's another way to get in involved in this area with this new staff and and you know St. Paul's and and that that whole area it produces some talent. So it's not surprising to see. Mid-major guy, young guy, in-state guy. Um, yes, he's coming from Central Michigan, and some people may roll their eyes at that. It's like, oh, the kid didn't even play at Central Michigan. How good he can, can he be? Well, in high school, half of the SEC thought he was thought he was good enough to play for them. So that you got to keep that in mind. Running back, the running back. What a great movie! Well, I don't know about great movie, but an enjoyable movie for me when I was a child. Remember the Titans? The running back. Oh, remember yeah, the Titans? I was like, yeah, no, yeah. So every time I had a friend over when I was a child, I would make them watch "Remember the Titans" with me. We always watched it in school. Like I think I've seen that movie like fifty times, all in school. Is that movie aged particularly well? I mean, it's Probably been a not. number of years. I know the Blind Side is not. It. The Blind Side is fantastically aged uh, as it should have. Yeah, but I don't know about "Remember the Titans." It's also funny that Hugh Freeze is portrayed in that movie, but. Really neither here nor there. Uh, back to Jordan Ingram. Uh, Chime in on online. Is Remember the Titans still a good movie, folks? That does Remember the Titans hold up? Tweet tweet at Painter now uh, as you're listening to this. Um, Ingram would be a pickup for Auburn if they, if they end up getting him in the portal. Where, you know, at running back, they need another running back. What are we talking about they need another running back for? Depth. They don't need... A guy who's going to command a lot of touches. Tank may be the best running back in the country, but he's certainly one. John Shivers and Sean awesome Shivers back. is a is a great option to have mm-hmm, for sure. So you don't necessarily need another workhorse, but you just cannot, I think, go into a. Se- I mean, given that both those guys got banged up last year, yep. What do you what do you do What do you do if one of those guys needs to go out for two games or just? You know, can't handle. And a, you have a high Devin workload. Barrett who's making the transition back, and you have Jarquez Hunter who's making, you know, he's making the jump. And I think Jarquez. And I, Hunter, I guess you can convince yourself at running back, you know, that that is a position that a freshman can come in yeah. and help right away. And Ingram, I, would, just process, like, and Ingram would basically be a freshman. 
But you don't really want to do it if you don't have to. No. It's just like the conversation we're having about Davis. It's like, if you can avoid having a true freshman logging a lot of snaps, probably would like to do so. Ingram had a pretty good uh, career at St. Paul's. I think his senior season, he ran for like 1,600 yards. It was like all – I think AL.com had him on there, all 6'8 team. Um, pretty good talent. Pretty good talent. And so, keep an eye out on him. I know people have been asking about the running back position. Uh, Ingram is the one to go for there. Um, so, wanted to mention him because I don't think we – and I mentioned him in the mailbag on Monday, but I don't think we've talked about him quite as much. Um, so, that's the one to keep an eye on if you haven't been, if you haven't been looking at him already. Speaking of running backs, so I tweeted something on Friday afternoon that I'm curious your take on. So there was a tweet going around, like, football fans. I think um, my buddy Charles McDonald, Fourverts on Twitter, who's a great follow anyway, tweeted about it, and that's how I came across it. It was this, it was this list of running backs, you know, NFL running backs, and um, – you are not. Here's the tweet. You are not allowed to pick Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Marshall Falk, LT, Adrian Peterson, Emmett Smith, or Eric Dickerson. Who's your favorite running back of all time? And my answer, of course, was Marshawn Lynch. Um, but I thought about it, and I was like, oh, you could do that with Auburn. You could easily do that with Auburn. And so I said, Auburn fans, you can't pick Bo Jackson, Cadillac Williams, Roddy Brown, Trey Mason, James Brooks, Brent Fullwood, or Joe Cribbs. Mostly first-rounders, elite players, you know, Heisman finalists, stuff like that. From Auburn history at running back. All right, who's your favorite running back of all time? And I just tweeted out there thinking, like, oh, maybe a couple of people. That thing blew up, baby. <laughs> Over 500 people uh, responded to it in, in less than 24 hours. And at one point, I was like, oh, I'll count them up and kind of see. And then I was like, no, there's no way I'm going to do that. Of those 500 people, how many of them correctly said Kenny Irons? So that's what I wanted to ask and what I wanted to get to because somebody asked me for the mailbag. I was like, all right, well, what is your answer? It's Kenny Irons. Not close. You know, growing up for me, it was, it, it was Kenny Irons. And I think. Honestly, the funny thing about it is, is like you look at the scope of Auburn football history at running back, and you know, ruling out the biggest names, I think Kenny Irons was the most popular pick. Like, you know, that I'm not saying he got more than LSU half, but, in the game that they ended up not winning because they don't do that in Baton Rouge. Unreal, you know, unreal. I mean, he should have fought someone in the at Tiger room. at Tiger Walk. He said, "I'm going to run for 200 yards," and then he went out and did it against a number seven LSU team in Baton Rouge in Death Valley in. In the in the voodoo of of of, uh, of Tiger Stadium, I don't know what to think about that game this year. I don't know what to think about LSU. I think they're one of the most interesting teams in college football. Are they mm-hmm. just going to fall apart again? Right. They have all that talent, and it's like, oh my god, I think you could actually upset them this year because I presume they'll be favored over Auburn. It's like, but also I just won't predict that Auburn will beat LSU and Baton Rouge until I see it. Kenny Irons, though, like think about Kenny Irons. He had the he had the unenviable task. Of following up Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown. He puts up a great season right after that in 05. It's a pretty good season in 06 as well. Um, I think there are some limitations when your quarterback is Brandon Cox, too. And Cox had some great performances yeah. for Auburn, but like. He wasn't Jason Campbell. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Right. He, uh, Kenny Irons, Kenny Irons was a great all around running back. He could beat you with speed, he could beat you with his agility, he could beat you with power. He ran through tackles really well. Good size. But I think the thing for me, though, and it was important to me growing up, Kenny Irons' aesthetic as a running back was top notch. The sleeve he had the he would do the he would do the three quarter sleeves basically. He would usually have a pad or something big on around an elbow, get protected when he was that when NCAA O two swag. Yes, the gloves. He had a towel at running back, which you don't see quite as much. I think Sean Chivers has one, which is pretty cool. 
Also, big tw- towel guy. Also, twenty-three. Great number. Any sport. That's a perfect number. It's a great running back number. Several great Auburn running backs have worn twenty-three. There are Michael Jordan stands listening to this right now that are just like, yes, yes. Uh, visor. Yeah, the visor, oh the God. double clips. Can you do that anymore? Is that a, is that not allowed? The visor. Yeah, you can do visor. Okay, is it a color thing? I think it's a color thing. Okay, most likely, most likely, it has to be clear. I remember back in the day though, the orange visor. Oh, now oh. those got ruled out pretty quick, but those are great. What was the reasoning? Like you need to be able to see people's eyes. What's up with that? I guess I don't know what the deal. Or is was. it just a no fun type thing? They're or like, like oh, the, this looks the too reflective good. ones that they had for a while, where it was, you know. I think I bring those back. Bring Mark back Emmert, colored speak, visors. Speak to me about your crimes since you won't talk about anything real. Talk to me about the visors. Yeah. Why did y'all decide to take those away from us? Yes. Yes. Bring back colored visors. That's uh that that's well yeah, he had a great aesthetic. He was a great player at, at a time. Probably I mean, helps to our age. Yes. So there's like a sense of nostalgia with watching him you play. You know, he was toward the end of Auburn's more dominant run against Alabama and that 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 kind of glory days of the Tupperville era. Um <laughs> And so if you're ruling out Cadillac and you're ruling out Ronnie Brown, he's definitely that guy. I wanted to take this time in the podcast. So, okay, so we're, we're both on the same page with Kenny Irons. There are plenty of people who... Did you uh, publicly state that? No, I think it's going to be in the mailbag. Okay, yeah. That, that to me was a pretty easy choice. What Did you see any other answers that were common? I know you, I wanted, I know yeah, you, there's I wanted so to talk many, about it. You probably don't want to like literally count all 500, but... I am curious about what what was the other one or two because I would think Kenny would have been a pretty common response. Yep, um, great name by the got way. Got a decent amount of carry on. Easy, easy call there. I mean, maybe some recency bias, maybe some younger fans. Carry on, such a likable dude. I mean, he was the best offensive player in the league that year. And if he stays healthy, Auburn probably wins an SEC title or at least has a really good chance at it. Oh one. God Almighty! His style though was great as well. I mean, that patient riding style was really fun to watch. Um, just a likable dude too. Yep. If yep. You're, if you're 100%. talking about, you know, if you're talking about somebody 100%. that you admire, got a decent amount of Rudy Johnson. Only one year, but I mean, Rudy Johnson. Exactly. Uh, Rudy what Johnson. a call, Mike Tarico. You've done it again. Um, here's the one that I saw that of, of the recent one. What a terrible Tarico impression <laughs> that I really liked. That um, I know a number of people gave this answer. Uh, Cameron Artist Payne. Yeah. People yeah. forget. People forget. In fourteen, Cap just had a stupid year. I always think about that cut he had in the SEC title game oh, in twenty thirteen. He absolutely roasted somebody with that cut. Yeah, he really, was a good player. He's easy to forget about too because he's wedged. You know, he's there with Mason, and then mm-hmm. twenty fourteen, they they obviously have an okay year, and it just comes apart at the end. So I think your your sentimental value to twenty fourteen is not very high. Yeah, a lot of Rudy's, a lot of uh, Rudy lot of is a very acceptable choice. That's a great. It's a great one. It's a great one. Um, got some Trey Smiths in there, which I mean, there's always going to be the nostalgia plug with with Trey um, because of what he did in the Iron Bowl. Also, the flip in the in, in the Florida game is always going to stand out. So Auburn's, get, I mean, the version had he, a few had a few Brad Lester's. All right, all like right, the, all uh, right, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, the the Trey thing cracks me up because he's like Auburn's version of Hunter Renfro, where it's like, my God, man, you're still on the team. <laughs> this li- the little guy who they just wouldn't, he just it just wouldn't go away. But yeah, you do something like that in the Iron Bowl, you're gonna have oh, a yeah. soft spot. And in then Auburn and then like heart. yeah, you were iconic for what you did in an upset of Florida. Like that's that'll do it as well. Um more recent ones I wanted to throw, throw in there. I think uh, think I believe Justin Lee had this one as well. Some other ones. Ontario McCaleb, the ultimate short king painter. 
Yeah, I had to imagine you were an OMAC guy. I didn't realize he was that short. He was small. Uh, he was. I remember him being thin. I didn't re- realize. Well, maybe he was, he, was he under six foot? Oh, uh, maybe me he was like five eleven or something. I might be. I, I didn't I think be, he was I that might be, short. I might be uh, throwing I mean, him probably, off. It wasn't a big dude. We know that much. Hey, he's five ten. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. That's pretty, he's just skinny. Pretty, he was super small, skinny. Though. That's like for. What, I mean, what's tank six two? Tank is six foot or six one. Oh, yeah. not as big as I thought either. Okay, look yeah. at me. Not knowing anything. A little on the shorter end, but like not Sean Shivers. Sean Shivers will be the ultimate shorter. Love you, Sean. Don't beat me up. Um, some guys that were a little bit older and guys that we probably can't speak to as much because we weren't around when they played, but um, or, you know, we're very young when they played. A lot of Lionel Little Train James, yeah, which yeah. is a great nickname for one. One of the, It might be the all-time best nickname in Auburn football history, I think. Uh, it's great. My granddad played golf with him, oddly enough. Fantastic NFL player, too. Randomly, yeah. Uh, Steven Davis got a, got a lot of love. That's fair. That's fair. Did he play for the Washington football team? I believe they believe they did. Got got a decent amount of James Bostic in there, which is a, which is a good pull. Uh, ben Tate, and a little bit more recent, of course, but Ben Tate, sh- shout out there. Um, I wanted to throw this one because it got a lot of hearts on Twitter <laughs> for this. Uh, our, our buddy Josh Dub saying, for a brief fleeting moment in 2016, Cameron Petway was not a mortal man. This Absolutely is true. Right. This Just is true. Destruction. They could have actually won the game. He and, doesn't. Uh, he doesn't pull up with that. With that. With that uh, hamstring. They're getting Vanderbilt. a win in Athens. Yeah, he is. Whoo! He just. I mean. Unstoppable running back. Man, for, I didn't realize Davis there. had three Pro Bowl trips and was a first team All Pro in '99. Um, some decent amount of Peyton Barber in here. And Peyton Barber, man, is it was is a great one. I like I like Peyton Barber a lot. Um, the ultimate, the ultimate, uh, uh, like chaos pick. So some fans in there, and you could tell some of them were a little bit conflicted throwing it, but they're like, man, I really like Michael Dyer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, well, you, you associate him with being. A part of that national champion team, and not just being a good player who rushed for what a thousand yards as a true freshman, mm-hmm. but also in the middle of you winning that game because of what he did on that very famous iconic play. Like, uh, yeah. So I understand why you might go, oh, okay, it didn't really end the way we had hoped, but you're probably not winning that championship without him. No, hundred uh, percent. Let's see. Shout out to those of you, those of you, I will say, of the, the, the oldest generation of Auburn fans on Twitter. Those of you who were shouting out Tucker Fredrickson, yeah, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. Like, yeah. If, y'all, young if, you, Bucks, got watch, if you got to watch him, I mean, I'm, I'm going to yeah, be. The Young Bucks don't know nothing about that. Um, also, here was the coolest, I think the coolest response I got out of all of this, which I thought was, like, awesome uh, uh, pulling up. Um, so I tweet this out. And, like, one of the people I, I exclude on the list was Joe Cribbs, right? Because, I mean, Joe Cribbs was obviously an amazing Auburn running back. This guy says, you know, shouts out Joe Cribbs in there. Joe Cribbs responds to the tweet and gives his pick. Uh, uh, Cedric McIntyre. He said, he was instrumental in me attending Auburn, and he'll always be my brother. So that is his favorite All Auburn right. running back. It's the dude who got him to Auburn. So shout out Joe Cribbs. For his opinion him. carries a little more weight than most. Yes, absolutely. So that was a fun That was a fun time. I, I'm glad we're in the agreement, though, that Kenny Irons is like. That was the, there are some great ones, even ones I'd forgotten about. Like, you know, Ben Tate was a lot of fun to watch as a mm-hmm. teenager. But like that, 
Uh, Rudy Johnson. I like the was, younger. Was really I like the, answer, I like the but, college age kids and some of the younger younger Auburn fans that shout out out Booby because like yeah, yeah Booby was a whole lot I of get fun it. to watch. I get it, and he was you know fun interview. He's fun fun in front of the media, but for me it was a no brainer. Yep, yep, hundred uh, percent. Um, so that was that was a fun little fun little off season thing. We might do more of this down the road. I don't know, but like it also goes to show you that by the way. The running back tradition at Auburn is if if I can rule out eight nine guys and then people like there were people who were naming like a dozen dudes in the which is not following the instructions of the of the thing but I understand. I get I get your struggle yeah. I get your I, internal struggle. we get we get we get the internal struggle there for sure need to build up the uh, quarterback history and the wide receiver history still working on those still working on that still working on that um, and then and you know what I'll say this not an insignificant amount of people said. If it is, it will probably end up being Tank. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that for, that's how good he was his freshman season. You're going to make a prediction about someone blowing up. It seems like that's a... Uh, Had some Sean Chavers picks as well, which always warms I think heart. when you're that small and you run the way he does, and you, he also, speaking of iconic plays, certainly has oh, his... Yeah. Will be a he, legend yeah, forever. You're going to endear point. yourself to a lot of folks, even if you don't go on to have, like, let's say the NFL career that I think Tank is going to end up having. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let us now switch over Painter to basketball because okay. there was not a pickup in basketball. There's not really a whole lot of news since in basketball since we last talked. But we need to talk about Scoot Henderson because y'all, Scoot Henderson, a million, a million paid. I don't know what you. I don't know what you do about that if you're Bruce. I know that's a bummer because they've probably been recruiting him for three, four years at this point. But uh, yeah, it's a million dollars, and million you're gonna go get he's going to get paid. And what it looks like probably is he's going to get the half mil that Jalen Green and those guys got just for two years because he's going to have to be like he's reclassifying to go up and go, and be go 19, pro right? as a as a 17 year old. Yeah, and so he can't go into the league until he's 19. So he's going to have to do this G League Select thing for two years. But man, you're a 17 year old kid, and they're saying, hey, we will give you a million dollars right now. And on top of it, as we've said in the past, there's no charade about, you know, what you're doing. You're going to work with professional coaches and play basketball most of the day. You're going to play against grown men. You pointed, and I think Dave McKinney pointed this out, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, is like how are college coaches going to combat this a little bit? And I think a big way you do it is branding, right? Mm -hmm. Is saying, we're going to put you on national television. We're going to make you a more valuable person in the open market, if you will. Yeah, like, look I, at Jalen Suggs is the example I use most recently because it's like basketball fans knew of Suggs. Almost everybody knew of him after he hit that game winner. Right. And like, you know, there were people being like, well, you know, you need to stop recruiting these guys that are that are elite. And it's like, well, um, if you look at the top 10 recruits, or I, I, let me let me get the exact number down because I want to I want to get it right. Um yeah, top 15 players in the 2020 and the 2021 classes. Okay, so each of the top 15, that's 30 guys. 26 of them went to college or pick colleges. Four of them went pro. There are always going to be and – like, and, like, and maybe that number will rise in the future And I think years. it will because, like, if Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga end up being top five picks out of this – It's going to become the more appealing. For them, yeah, it's going to become They're going to do that. They're going to do that. But – there will always be guys who want to take who who will want to take. That I also out. imagine, yeah, there's just a certain element of like in this country you grow up and it's like going to college sounds pretty fun. And if yeah. you can go to college and kind of be a star too, and like you know everyone on campus knows who you are, and and you're getting to play on national television a lot, that's still going to be appealing to a well, lot dude, of guys. Dude, think of this. Think of this. Chet Holmgren 
is the number one player in America. He's seven footer, has just this rare game about him at his size, and he goes to Gonzaga. He could have gone pro, and it just easily, just as easily, go ahead and get paid now. Your stock's what it is, but he's going to go to Gonzaga, and like they're going to be Jabari Smith is a perfect example. Jabari Smith is a higher rated prospect than Scoot Henderson. Then, but he but he ends up coming to Auburn because he's going to want to like there are going to be guys who want to come play play. Unfortunately, should be able to benefit off his name, image, and likeness. Which thank God, like that if they're not going to commit, you know, at least they've got, at least we're we're there now where these kids yes. can do something, get something. As we've said in the past, if they pay them a salary, there's a lot of loopholes and right. a lot of, or sorry, a lot of hoops to jump through. It fundamentally changes what what college athletics looks like. The whole structure would have to be would have to be rebuilt. So, in lieu of doing that and blowing it up and starting it all over, you go the Olympic model. You let them benefit off of name, image, and likeness. There's always going to be guys like that. Like they're going to Auburn's going to recruit guys that you know maybe more of them end up going pro. But like there are a number of five stars in this 2022 class that Auburn is going to go after. Um, would I've loved to have had Scoot? Yes. Also, still like thrilled that Auburn had KD. If you want to look at, yeah, you know that worked out well and, for Auburn. And but, I think the problem is, I think the problem there is, is that, like I said, four players went pro. Four top fifteen players went pro these last two classes, right? Three of them were Auburn targets: Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, and now Scoot Henderson. Well, like, at least Bruce just, has a good eye for uh, for talent. It's also yeah. like really bad fortune that of those few players that decided, yeah, this is what I want to do. They happen to all be seriously considering coming to Auburn. Very, uh, very Auburn situation that you've got on your hands there. Right. And, and it's just like you could look at it as like, oh, this is a bar. But it's not like there's a limited amount of scholarship offers you can do. This is not NCAA football where it's like, I only have so many <laughs> recruiting points to give them. Like, no, you're going to – like, you can recruit a number of guys – if Jalen Green decides to go, like, all right, here's your example. Jalen Green decided to go pro. Jonathan Kaminga decided to go pro. That didn't stop them from getting Sharif Cooper and JT Thor, right? It didn't stop them from going and getting Jabari Smith. There are going to be pushes to be made in that in that aspect. So continue to recruit the five stars. Just know that there might be less of them moving forward, but that's not going to mean like they're all gone. But this notion that you need to just, like, start recruiting – Oh, we just need to find those scrappy four, year, your three or four year guys. It's like that's not how it's going to work. You're going to still want to get the best of the best talent because guess what? Some of them are still going to want to go to school, right? They're, they the best of the best talent is going to win basketball games, right? You can talk about building your whole roster out of them and how tough that is, but like you said, Jalen Suggs they went to the national title game and had the, Gonzaga's first five star point guard. They were on the verge. Now Baylor thoroughly whooped them in the in the in the in the title game. But if Gonzaga wins that game, they could go down as one of the best college basketball teams ever. Their first national championship, just all the, and they got it by going after a one and done kid. Poor Mark Few. Yeah. Well, they'll be back. I mean, they yeah, only they, all they did was just all him. they did was just go sign two more five stars. You know, in the season after, including the number one player in America. You'll live with it. But be right. number one, Auburn will continue to do what they do, and they're going to be fine. Like we were talking about Bruce in the last podcast, Atlanta, Scoot baby. ended up going G League select. He didn't go to that thing in Atlanta the we talked about. Thing. Yeah, that is going to be fascinating to watch because that's another aspect. It's so have, annoying that it's with. in Atlanta too. Yeah, all the cities it could be in around the country. It's in the one that Bruce and Auburn have found this great 
I mean, and oh, yeah. they still continue to recruit well out of Atlanta. But I, and think, I think their first two signings were kids that aren't, weren't from Atlanta, but like they're gonna probably get some Atlanta dudes. Sure. Um, but like that's you know this is this is what you have to compete with now. Um, but number two, I mean, again, not a dude I had a relationship with or anything, just a guy that you know, you follow and watch some film of because he was an Auburn target. But, man, congrats to Scoot Henderson. He gets to be the youngest professional basketball player in American history. Like, that is a designation that he will always have with him. That is so cool. You know, to be able to get that as a high school junior. It's going to be tough to beat that. Gonna be tough if, you were for, high school, uh, if you were a high school junior and they said, here is a million dollars to not go to college, it's like, bye-bye. Yeah. Goodbye, all of my family and friends. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. Yeah, 100%. Like, there's a few people on TV who won't be in that. a couple of years. And yes, playing for a good college team could elevate your brand and help your brand. But again, like we said, if Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaming and these guys, if their stock stays the same, it doesn't take any hit by going to, to the G League and they still get to make the same amount of money as if they would have gone to college. Guess what happens there if you're them? It's a success. It's going to just feed into it even more. There's some Auburn fans out there. I saw arguing on Twitter with, with some people that were like, that, that were like, you know, I don't see why these guys will go do that and they're not going to be on TV as much. And it's like, you I know, you could Auburn's, argue not, this. Auburn's not Duke. Auburn's yeah, not, yeah. you know. And there Auburn's may be a trade-off Kentucky. there, but you, at the end of the day, you're right. They're not one of those four or six schools. And the other thing to keep in mind is like a million dollars is a lot of money and it is guaranteed right off the bat, right? Yeah, you don't have to worry about some bag, man. Or... Yeah, you don't have to worry about a pack, man. You don't have to worry about getting in trouble. And then, secondly, you don't have to worry about if I go to college and get hurt or something happens and my, least I have my stock dollars. drops off. Yeah. Well, I chose this instead of guaranteed million and, and access directly to pro, pro talents. Mm-hmm. Now, if a kid like Scoot Henderson, the scenario, Scoot Henderson or a guy like him, Jalen Green, Green, Jonathan Kaminga could have done this as well. If they would have gone to college and was the best player in America last year in college basketball, make a really good push at number one overall because that's what Cade Cunningham did. You know, Cade Cunningham goes to college and blows up. He's the number one guy. It's possible, but these guys got paid right now, and they're going to still be high lottery picks. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. So Auburn fans, just get just get used to it because Auburn's going to go swing it after these dudes, and you'll get excited about them potentially coming. And, like, yeah, if Scoot Henderson probably went to college, he's probably going to end up going to Auburn. That's what the was where everything sorted out from. But like Bruce Pearl and Auburn has to compete against one million dollars guaranteed, and it's like, and that's the baseline because you can start signing shoe deals, you can start doing all that stuff. If you're not ever ever having to worry about being eligible for college or anything like that, so good for Scoot. Good for Scoot. Auburn's going to be fine. I think the KD Johnson pickup makes him a whole lot better as a team this season. And moving forward, it'll be interesting to see 22 class, 22, 2022 class and beyond. Do we see more of these battles? Do we see more of this um, obstruction from Yeah, instead the of G four League? guys, is it eight or ten guys? The overtime stuff and, you know, guys like that. You know, that's a... That's something that I uh, that's something that I'm, I'm very curious in, in following moving forward. Well, I really hope that other teams like LSU and Alabama sink a bunch of time recruiting players that then end up leaving. I hope it's not just Auburn. Right. That's been an unfor- that's been an unfortunate coincidence. Like it, it is funny. Like four four top 15 guys have gone pro. Auburn was heavily involved in three of them. Heavily heavily involved in two. Uh, of them. Well, 
at least you know you're going after some of the best. Yep. I suppose. That's hey. What'd you, what, what did you do? say? Eye for talent. Yeah, he's got it. He definitely has got it. And I think you can see that success rate with some of the other guys that are on this roster. And uh, like we said on the previous podcast, that team's going to be pretty fun. It's going to be a pretty fun basketball team. I mean, surely at this point, and I just don't think Thor's coming back. I'd love it if he did. Man, that'd be really exciting. But I just assume give that Scully to a walk-on and mm-hmm. then uh, go from there. You've got a deep team already. You know, uh, that's what I would probably do if I was a college basketball coach. If you're going to give me 13, well, I ain't going to play 13 yeah. in my rotation. But then I also use that as an incentive for, for walk-ons, get guys on my, on my campus like, hey, man, if you work hard, we will give a scholarship to a walk-on or to one or two. Like, we are going to give them one. So if you establish yourself as the most valuable walk-on we, we have, are. we can get your college paid for. Right? That that would be – no, I would use that. Playing, playing some chess. Right. Because your 12th and 13th guys usually aren't going to play a ton anyway. Your checkers guy, chess guy. I do not know how to play chess. I mean, I can know the basic rules, but I've never like actually done it. Seems like something you'd be into, honestly. I just mm, surprises it's me. Kind of boring. About, what about Scrabble? Big Scrabble. You guy. love that is big Scrabble guy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I routinely beat my grandmother in Scrabble. No yeah. mercy. No mercy. No mercy. Baby. We're throwing up she three hundred four point games. Look, on you've it. been on this earth for a long time. You should be good at it too. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Like Painter said earlier, rate, review, subscribe. Helps us out a ton. If you feel compelled, you know, save yourself a Chipotle bowl. Yeah. $6 a month, $60 a year, AuburnObserver.com. Not only do you get that premium podcast episode that we do once a week where we talked about things like Katie Johnson, Donovan Coffin, the full scope of the podcast, if you will, the whole experience. If you want it, sign up there. You also get everything we write at The Observer, usually three or four times a week, uh, Auburn basketball and football content coming to your eyeballs in an email format so you get alerted every time we have a new podcast up and uh, you have something that you can read and uh, and digest on your own time moving forward we will be back in a few days for the midweek podcast and then next week um, I'm going to try to I'm going to be out the next couple of weekends so what I'm going to try to do is have Peter run the show here a little bit I've already got one lined up um, I already got one show lined up that I think people are really going to enjoy. And, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that next week. Uh, for those of you listening to the free podcast, you'll have, a, you'll have a fun one with Painter next week. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody subscribing. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell everybody you know about the Auburn Observer. Final thoughts, Painter. Does Remember the Titans hold up? Tweet at him. <laughs>